Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges in the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Wendy White, Chief Marketing Officer for Agencia. She delves into the importance of business travel and explores the power of content marketing. She also shares tips for using Slack in some unexpected ways. AJ is finally able to disconnect for a few hours. Vincent revels in a compliment from Wendy. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Marketing Stir coming your way. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products here at Starista. So great to be back talking to all of you. And thank you for all of those of you who have liked the podcast, who have reached out to us, who have made it a nice success thus far. We appreciate it. And I appreciate my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the CEO of Starista. I always say it. He's my partner in crime. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Just got back from the beach after a few few hot days out there. I, I know. You're on vacation, a much-deserved vacation out on the beach there in Texas, the Corpus Christi area, I believe you had mentioned. And uh, did you get time to relax? I, I saw that you were still online working and, uh, you know, hitting me up with different uh, marketing tasks to do, which I welcome. But did you get a chance to relax? I, I, I tried. And luckily, uh, the last couple of days, the beach had almost no Wi-Fi. So it was actually the best thing. I was uh, cut off from the world for about uh, 16 hours altogether. See, it's the world's way of saying, AJ, take it easy. Relax a little bit. The summer <laughs> is almost gone and just chill and enjoy your time on the beach. That's great. Well, it's good to have you back in the office. Good to have you back on the marketing stir. And I'm glad you traveled. Speaking of travel, we've got a very special episode of the marketing stir today for a variety of reasons. And it really all starts with our guest. She is awesome. She matches my energy. You're like, wait a minute, that's insane. You're a lunatic. But, you know, yeah, she does. She's awesome. We would love a very warm welcome to the Marketing Stir, the Vice President of Global Marketing for Egencia. What's Egencia? Egencia is the corporate travel management arm of Expedia. You know them. Ladies and gentlemen, she's also the co-founder of Women in Cloud. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Wendy White. What's going on, Wendy? That's the best intro I've ever had in my yes. career. I loved it. Thank <laughs> you. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you for being here. Uh, I try. I try to give the most over the top, but it's uh, how I feel. I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that we have you. It was such a uh, a a timely topic to talk about. You know, uh, I was I was beginning to travel again. AJ just traveled, but it's so timely a topic to talk about. And I'm happy to have you on the marketing stir. And for those of uh, the people listening, Wendy, tell us a little bit about your role at Egencia and, and more about the company. Yeah, great. Well, I'm uh, the chief marketing officer of Egencia. 
Um, Agencia is part of Expedia, which you may know as the world's largest travel company. Uh, people are really turning to Expedia right now to get away from their homes and get back out and, and, and you know enjoy a little bit of the world. Um, even if that's just going to one of our great brands, VRBO, uh, or as we like to say, Verbo, um, to get a house, uh, you know, on the beach or uh, like I'm doing next week, a farmhouse near the mountains just to get away. Um, but they also turned to my brand, Agencia, um, if they're a company that really wants to manage their corporate travel. It, it's never been more important for companies to think about their corporate travel management because, you know, this, this pandemic really exposed that companies all the way in all the way up to the C-suite really want to care and know where their employees are if they're traveling. Um, right now, there's a big focus on, you know, ensuring that they're allowing the right travel and the right places and really uh, controlling that and then obviously traveler well-being. So our company does all of that and, um, and helps companies of all sizes manage great travel programs. Uh, that's amazing. And I am uh, exclusively an Expedia customer, so I appreciate that. Oh, but Agencia, you. that's something that, uh, you know, I would love to learn more about because, again, it's very specifically to the uh, business travel sector where uh, that's happening. People are traveling again. Are, are you seeing that on your end, Wendy? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I think corporate travel um, is, is an area that will continue to be uh, impacted because companies have to really think hard about the overall risk of um, letting employees travel. They have this concept now of, you know, permissible travel. What's what's essential travel and, and who goes? And so I think, you know, corporate travel will look a little bit different, but obviously there's so much value from traveling. You know, uh, recently Harvard actually put out a study um, and actually we did a study a year ago with Harvard on the value of travel. And what we learned, what we learned and we did our study is companies who invest in business travel and have a culture around investing in travel to um, improve their client relationships, improve, improve their supply chain, bring their employees together. Those companies in the long run are more profitable. They have higher employee satisfaction and retention, and obviously they do better in their supply chains. Probably not a surprise. What Harvard said last week was that uh, countries that um, are great at bringing you know, business travel in and, and um, supporting their local economies to travel also do better and contribute to healthier local economies. So I think we all know travel is important. Um, I know we're all feeling we want to get back to it. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is an important period for us to assess when and how and how we do that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm anxious too as well. One of the things that Starista prides itself on is, you know, different events going to, and we always like to stay in front of our customers. Uh, you know, even now, every single, I, I need that, you know, interaction. I love to the face-to-face. -face. I love visiting different cities and seeing where people work and operate. It's, it's the reason now that no matter what, every single call I go on is a video call. Whether they have their video on or not, <laughs> I have mine on. I just still need that uh, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, seeing yeah, people. Yeah, human connection, it's important to all of us. Um, you know, travel is a force for good. Um, if you think about, you know, your life as a, as a traveler, you know, through both your business travel and probably your personal travel, think of the, you know, what I would say, the eye-opening experiences, the understanding of people and cultures that you get from travel. 
um, travel really is a force for good for for bringing the world together and uniting humans. Uh, and that's true even for business travel. Yeah, I, I totally agree. A force for good. I love that. Wendy, let me uh, take a step back. Is a question that we always like to ask our guests because some stories, uh, you know, are not the direct path as one would think. But uh, talk to us how you got into marketing. Was it something you studied, stumbled upon? We'd love to hear that. Well, you know, probably a little bit of a odd path. I'm going to guess none of your other guests are going to say I was a psychological operations officer in the army, which is, you know, code word for propaganda development. But <laughs> you know, it's a true story. I did do that. I went to language school in the army and studied Russian. And then I ran a propaganda development team for, for many years. Um, I then, um, uh, you know, kind of parlayed that into some early career in public relations. And then from there into more mainstream marketing after I got my MBA, because it turned out that I love data and planning and, uh, you know, uh, customer journeys and acquisition as much as I love the storytelling part of PR. So, so now I've done it all. That is definitely uh, the most unique thing we have heard on this podcast, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 true. It's my kind of one conversation piece for sure on my resume. <laughs> you know, the other thing that caught my eye was uh, you were in a movie with uh, Tim Burton. Is that right? Well, I wasn't in a movie with Tim Burton, but you know, he's a very famous uh, movie director and actually mm -hmm. producer. And I was lucky enough to work for a year on a movie called The Nightmare Before Christmas um, as a you know production assistant, production coordinator. So back in my early early days of my career doing everything from, you know, scheduling talent auditions to organizing contracts to being the person that was in charge of editing the script. I really learned a lot. It was a great, fun experience. And I did that um, in between the time I, I got off of active duty for the Gulf War and, went, and when I went to graduate school. So great, great experience. Probably learned. The number one thing I learned is I really didn't want to work in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, nobody's going to accuse you of uh, having a boring background, that's for sure. So yeah. one of the questions I had for you was, uh, you know, within our own company, we're unique in the marketing world in that we actually have a B2B as well as a B2C division. And uh, within Expedia, how independent is your group versus kind of uh, somebody uh, who is working for Expedia? directly or in a different division? Well, you can kind of think of it as we have the power of the platform of that Expedia Group overall brings. And, you know, that is just world-class brands all over the world um, uh, that come together. But you know, what, what really, I think, helps a company like Agencia is we get all the benefits of the data and the innovation on things like you know hotel platforms or airline booking platforms, et cetera, that we get from Expedia Group, but then we bring really a unique point of view to the B2B audience. So we have what I would say looks like a pretty traditional B2B sales motion, B2B you know, selling process and value proposition. Um, our, our clients care a lot about um, uh, approval and policy and, um, and and duty of care and things that are very traditional enterprise things that they're going to care about in the software that they use, security, etc. Um, and so we have to bring a real intense and and uh, 
and you know ex- what I would say like exquisite focus to the B2B practice uh, of business travel. Um, and, and so we look more like a you know a B2B software company that um, sits alongside all the great innovation and and then obviously the, the travel you know inventory that we get from from Expedia, but with our unique B2B wrapper around it. That makes sense. And then during this uh, COVID period, uh, are, are you focusing on uh, how's the messaging changing, assuming that a lot of your clients are not back to travel? Yeah, well, I think you can probably imagine what that first, you know, 30 to 60 days was like uh, in early March when the, kind of the world shut down. Um, you know, I, I have lived many crisis experiences over my 30 years, um, but nothing quite like this. I mean, if you can imagine what it's like when every single one of your clients, uh, you know, wants to shut down all of their of their travel and shut down all of their of their trading, and and so we went into obviously huge crisis mode to help those clients, you know, find their employees, know where they were, uh, cancel upcoming travel, route people and get them home, communicate, you know, border changes as they were happening fast and furious during that first few weeks. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I would say kind of we had mode one, which is fast and furious, 12 on, 12 off for, for quite a few weeks with, you know, a good portion of our team. And then we had the other part of our team, which was how can we understand what's happening in the market? How can we educate, um, you know, the, the broader community who is just trying to understand what is the implication of this? How do I, you know, how do I think, act, and do during this period? So um, we quickly really had to, you know, shut down our traditional lead gen programs because we didn't want them to sound tone deaf. Think about how we used content, education, engagement in a new way to, you know, brand build, but also, bring value to prospects um, that we hadn't before in a different way. So it was a very interesting period. You know, now we're on a kind of a rhythm of new normal um, in many parts of the world outside of the U.S. People are back to traveling. I know it's hard to believe, but they are particularly domestically. And so we're, we're back to helping clients as they navigate, you know, new thinking about how they, how they leverage business travel as part of their business. And, uh, Wendy, before my next question, I just want to say thank you for your military service. We, we, we appreciate that and everything you've done there. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I would also imagine Agencia has to, you know, you said pivot, but also there's a lot of new factors, right? So it's that uh, what hotels are open, right? Flights, what, uh, how clean is a restaurant open? Talk to me a little bit about that, uh, you know, pivot if you're kind of focusing on those areas. Well, obviously, um, searching for a hotel uh, before based on their hygiene standards may not have been a consideration. For <laughs> you know, travelers want to know is that, you know, what is the sanitation and hygiene practices of that hotel? Is the restaurant in the hotel open? Um, you know, for the first, I would say, 60 days, uh, you know, we had to really leverage the great work that we get from our Expedia group market managers who are out touching bases, feet on the ground with those hotels to make sure they were open, understanding, you know, what booking windows they were accept- accepting so that our systems could be um, as up to date as possible. I think in a way that many other um, travel companies couldn't, we, we really, uh, you know, kept our markets open. And then also I would, what I would say is we, we also did, I think some unique things reaching out to hotels and saying, Hey, we, 
Um, we know we're going to have healthcare workers migrating into your city. What can you open up for them? Like we did a, a bunch of unique programs there as well to really manage differently during the pandemic. You're in the peak of it. Got it. Yeah, no, it all, all makes sense. And you're right. It is. There's, these are questions that you really didn't ask before. It's just like, you know, sometimes business travel. It's like, oh, what's the cheapest hotel, right? Sometimes, you know, I have to keep it under a certain budget, that sort of thing, uh, you know, each room. But now there's so many different factors. Uh, I want to switch gears because I, you know, really enjoyed reading about this. You are a huge advocate for, uh, you know, women in tech. And you actually co-founded Women in Cloud. Talk to me about that. What made you, uh, you know, want to found, you know, find that, uh, and uh, you know, talk to me about your advocacy in that area. Yeah. Well, I think at some point you get, you know, in your career, you kind of look left and look right and think, uh oh, it's me. Like if I don't do it, you know, I'm I'm the leader or I'm the most senior woman. And you think, okay, what am I going to do to help smooth the path of the women behind me? I think part part of that experience for me was also I have a, a, a daughter now who's a recent college grad, um, but I watched her um, come into her own and think about her own role um, in society and, you know, started thought, thinking more and more about, you know, her experience um, as well as the, you know, the experience of the women that worked, you know, with me and for me. Um, and, and so over the last 10 years, got much more involved, you know, first in some organizations like Startup Chicks. Um, then through other startup community activities here in Seattle. And then when uh, you know a friend reached out and said, hey, we're gonna start this organization called Women in Cloud to really support female entrepreneurs, I hopped on board and helped with that for the first 18 months or so of that organization. Um, and that organization is really focused on the woman entrepreneur and creating access and opportunity for, for females who want to become uh, tech entrepreneurs. Um, and the, you know, the thing that I love about that team, the women in cloud team is, um, is that they've done, you know, so many smart programs around accelerators for women owned businesses where they bring in, you know, experts to teach women how to, you know, grow their channel, grow their customer base, improve their marketing, et cetera. Um, and, you know, resulting in many of those women getting venture capital funding, which is, which is great because only about 2% of the venture dollars go to women today. Yeah, it's always uh, fascinating to look at that stat. I've seen that before as well. And what, what do you think companies can do in order to address sort of the uh, gender gap there tends to be at almost every major tech company? Yeah, well, you know, I look at Expedia and we're a tech company and, uh, you know, we took really firm goals around it, of, you know, women in leadership positions. Um, and I think, and I don't know the exact industry averages anymore, but I, I think, you know, most tech companies, women in leadership, like senior manager and above is, is fewer than 20%. And at Expedia, you know, it, it edges up uh, closer to 40% and, and, and in certain levels could be higher than that including, I think, the VP level. So um, so it can be done, um, right? It's, uh, it, it's all about just having, you know, um, interview practices, getting women into the talent pipeline before you close down the interview loop. Um, 
you know, one of the things that you really have to do when you're recruiting is make sure you're recruiting not just from your from the network of your employees, because then you end up getting employees that look just like the employee base you have. And if you want to have a more diverse base, you got to recruit in more diverse places. So there's there's all kinds of things that companies can do to be smart about that. Yeah, one of the things I often hear about in CEO groups is people say, uh, well, we, we looked and didn't find anybody. And uh, quite often I tell them, hey, are you, are you looking at the right place? Because if you're looking at the same place every time and not finding anybody, then the problem is uh, with you versus uh, the applicants. Hallelujah to that. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I'm sure uh, has been happening a lot uh, during this period is uh, I've been getting a lot of emails and LinkedIn messages, uh, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. So what are some of the messages that work for you that you actually respond to? And what are some of the messages that uh, you really can't stand? <laughs> you know, it's funny you, you asked that just a few days ago. So my daughter is an SDR at Outreach. Um, <laughs> which, uh, which is a company I love. I was one of their first big clients, and I've used them now at, at three companies, and um, and have they have an amazing value proposition. But obviously, they're in the business of enabling SDRs and enabling salespeople to prospect. Right? That's what the that's what they do. And um, and so I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with her. We have a family Slack channel, so I was slacking her. You know, here's six um, LinkedIn invites I got today. Guess which one I actually accepted? And I, and I turned. Turns out that she took it and shared it in her work Slack channel. Like, here's what my mom says to do. And I'm like, oh. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I would say is, uh, I I think you know all of us want our network to be valuable, right? And so if you can express that value during that LinkedIn invitation, there's a high likelihood I'm going to accept. Um, and that value may be that um, you're a, a person of color or a new graduate and you need to um, expand your network and want to learn from me, from, from my posts and my network, That that's an invitation I would likely accept. Um, it could be that you work in a, you know, a, a software that is for marketing or sales and you share great information, best practices. Um, if you say that to me in your LinkedIn invitation, I will likely accept. If you just say, I see that you're vice president of this and that, um, and then say something dumb about that role that is like, you know, anybody could guess that it's, a, it's, it's not relevant to me. I will probably decline. I think, you know, a little personalization and an extra two minutes to go read my profile and see where we have an intersection point or tell me how you're going to provide value, then I will accept. And yes, I'm, and AJ, you're right. Like I've got, you know, 250 invites that I need to go sort through. And, <laughs> and I do, I do look at every one of them and I do try to accept as many as possible, especially if it's, you know, young folks in their career who are looking for, um, you know, some assistance or some networking. I really do try to accept those. Great. But, but, you know, you actually uh, stepped into a hot topic at Starista. So we've uh, uh, recently we raised capital. So we've brought in quite a few new people and uh, some people love using Slack and uh, some people don't. So so, we, so I would love to, it's the first time someone has said they use a Slack channel for their home stuff. So I would love to know yeah. how that came about and what your experience with Slack has been. Well, you know, there, there, there's a Slack channel for who's cooking. There's a Slack channel for, <laughs> for 
for walkies, which when, when, you know, I've sensed the dogs need to go for a walk and I'm at a meeting, I'll slack into the walkies channel who can take the dogs. Um, we, uh, as I mentioned, are going to a nice farmhouse for the weekend because I just needed to get away. So there's a Slack channel for the family vacation voting via my VRBO board that I set up with my top choices and sent everybody a link to go vote. There's, you know, it's amazing what you can do with Slack. And, and, and you know, with, with that, my, my daughter's boyfriend, who is an extended member of the family, is also in our family Slack channel. So there's also a channel for like... Uh, honey to do lists um that i i drop things for him to do or my husband to do <laughs> can someone please go put that box back up in the, in the garage or i bought it i bought a new desk can somebody please come help me assemble it you know things like that so uh, yeah there you go There's today's most interesting uses of family slack channel who's cooking <laughs> well we're, we're gonna have to introduce you to our chief revenue officer uh he is uh He's been been going a little crazy. Vincent just won't use the Slack channel. <laughs> no, I'll use it. It's just like there's some other uh, old dogs you can't teach new tricks, and I'm kind of in there, but I use it. <laughs> I have it open right now. I do. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wendy, how did you uh, get started on Slack? Was that at a particular company that uh, you were using it, and that's how it carried yeah, yeah. over? Um, my buddy, Jared Ray, who was the founder of Tier 3 and was the CTO uh, for that um, organization and the head of uh, platform development at CenturyLink, was the, was the introducer of Slack to me. Um, and uh, you know, Jared was always ahead of his time. I'm sure he was probably Slack user number five. I don't know. Uh, I've been on Slack for about as long as I can remember now. It's uh, we have to reach out to Slack to become a sponsor of this show. That's uh, crazy. I know. Yeah. We, they, they need to get they got a plug today. I know that's it. Look, you got a plug. It goes out to all these people. Uh, yeah, I love that. You're like already putting the boyfriend to work. That's <laughs> awesome. You're like, all right, look, you want to come over and have dinner like you want to, you know, you want to be part of this family. All right. I need a desk put together. How about that, Dave? I don't know. But that's his name. Yeah foreshadowing in case there's a wedding in the future like what mom's gonna need from the from the mother-in-law yeah exactly that's awesome that's awesome wendy um talk to me about the you know what you're excited for what excites you about the last you know the last end of 2020 and into 2021 what are some of the things uh, at egencia that you're excited about you know i think um I, I think excited might be in a, a stretch, but what I'm really spending some time thinking about is what happens with event marketing and how are we going to evolve to be much more engaged digital marketers? I, I think COVID just accelerated a trend that was already out there. Um, but, you know, what I, what I look at is like the intense increase in people joining online events over the last 90 days you know a webinar that might have previously got 200 gets 1700 you know people showing up uh you know virtual events and all the technology for virtual engagement right i just think when live events come back which probably for us i'm guessing 2022 um maybe 2021 in some parts of europe depending on the kind of accordion shape of this of this pandemic and open and closing and all that um, but I'm, I'm just guessing that there's going to be even more virtual and digital engagement. And so, you know, for me, I'm thinking a lot about how are we, um, how are we using these mediums in new ways? 
Um, we've just launched um, an updated uh, community for our, our core customers. We've had one for years and Influitive, but we just migrated to Salesforce community to have kind of a more robust experience. What kind of engagement are we going to create there? What kind of loyalty and fans can we create through really compelling content and virtual experiences? That, that's where I'm spending a lot of time thinking right now. And then also, you know, what I would say is, during a down period, you know, you're, what I've discovered is every single one of my acquisition channels behaves differently, and um, which is obviously no fun from a predictable revenue standpoint, but also great fun from a like, okay, what's actually happening here? What can I think about? Well, how can I look at this data? What can I experiment? And so lots of test and learn opportunities to think differently about your acquisition pipeline too. You know, staying with the the marketing piece, what are some channels that work for you, Wendy? Uh, you know, now don't reveal too many of the secrets, uh, or if you do, just only put out the ones you want the people to hear, uh, because people, this is a marketing podcast and people are listening. So, but what are the channels that you use and that work effectively for Agencia? Yeah, well, you heard me talk about SDRs earlier, right? So you got to guess that I love my inbound um, and uh, and getting my you know, website and my low cost acquisition to perform really well through SEO on the website. Our, our contact us, get you know, request a quote, request a demo with super fast response by our SDRs is, is, is right at the heart of the foundation and then surrounding that by, you know, smart search engine marketing, probably not a surprise. But, you know, when you're talking to some of the world's largest companies about their travel management program, the odds are going to come up to your website and fill out a request a demo form, not not as high. So there is, some, you know, uh, I would say differentiation between our our size of our, our, our market segments and the and the kind of um, uh, use cases they have. And, and those companies, we know who they are. Um, you know, we we've thought about their travel programs, you know, for and with them. They're usually on a three-year uh, RFP cycle, maybe sooner, because right now a lot of them are thinking, oh, well, what worked before is not going to work going forward. So maybe a lot of them are accelerating their RFPs, which is a good thing, because um, we think we have a great chance of winning those. So so more traditional account-based marketing, um, upmarket, where we're doing, you know, tailored events and activity, um, not really display, but maybe a little bit with some IP-based targeting, um, but you know, definitely an account-based outreach strategy, again, with my, my great SDRs doing outbound prospecting. It's, it's a little of all of the above. And then what's kind of your you know, marketing stack look like? Are there particular systems that you're fond of uh, using in terms of the uh, account-based management? What are some of the software tools you guys like to use? Yeah, um, well, I, I would say that that's an area we've been uh, transforming and investing and growing. We've been here about two years and we've really had to you know, rebuild. Um, so we have a B2B stack, which is, you know, for our acquisition. But then, you know, we also have all the travelers that we deal with um, that that once a company, you know, comes in um, into being a client of ours, then we need to onboard and, and market to all their travelers. Um, and so we do have like a B2B to B2B, B2B to C motion. So for our um, acquisition stack, it's probably the pretty typical things that you guys think of, you know, uh, um, obviously Marketo, obviously Outreach, because I've mentioned them, Chili Piper for call scheduling, um, you know, uh, 
movable ink for just being, you know, creative and doing personalization. And then, you know, on the B2B side, uh, our big bet on our Agencia Connect community with Salesforce at the heart of that. Um, and then Salesforce Marketing Cloud as a, as a big part of our kind of customer automation and engagement strategy. And then, of course, the usual other things. On 24, um, we use, we're big users of Splash, um, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, an ancillary things that, that plug holes here and there. And are there certain kind of, uh, especially with the COVID situation, are there particular retention strategies that you're um, putting in place? Well, you know, I think this is, um, again, uh, at this period, the person who's running and managing a corporate travel program inside their company, um, be that person like an indirect procurement manager who owns the travel category or a travel manager who thinks about that end to end, you know, they, they have a kind of a, a meaty role right now. And I think that role has been elevated. And so our retention strategy is about being the best darn partner we can to that person to help them navigate through this period. So understand, you know, a, a return to travel framework for their company, um, implement new policies as appropriate, leverage the new tools that we've implemented around things like how to use all their unused air credits from all the cancellations they did in, you know, in March and April, right? Like th that's cash in the bank and they have to figure out how to use them. And, and most companies don't have a simple automated way to do that, which we're, you know, we're working on with them, but you know, all the important duty of care activities as well. So our goal and our retention strategy is be there at every step of the way with our clients, with great education, with tools, with the right product um, and, you know, create fans. What's been a good highlight or shining moment in the last couple of years for you? The last couple of years? Like everything, like, you mean, is that a question where I don't have to answer about COVID? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before things went bad. <laughs> the good old, uh, good old days of 2019. The good old days. <laughs> 2020 or 2019. Um, what's been a highlight? You know, um, I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly frank, the biggest highlight of the last two years was really building out and developing what I consider to be some world-class marketers in my current team. I'm really proud of the team we've built and, and frankly, the kind of transformational journey they've taken our marketing department on. Um, you know, Agencia, before I had arrived, was fairly distributed, run almost like country level marketing activities. Um, so I'd never really come together to say, how do we automate? How do we perform at scale? And so we had to do a big transformation. And, you know, you've never seen a group of harder working, you know, more talented people just dive in and just take every mountain that, that you know, I pointed them at. And um, so I think my biggest highlight of my last couple of years is just building an incredible team. I, I like that. Yeah. And like, you know, that's pivoting away from, uh, you know, all the COVID stuff, right? Where obviously it's on everyone's mind, but let's talk about something that um, I have a lot of, which are marketing pet peeves, right? Uh, and, and probably personal pet peeves. Well, we could, we could talk about both of those, Wendy. Uh, I have a lot of them, uh, as well, as people would say, AJ lets me know all the time. But marketing pet peeves, whether it's, it's it could be just... A company's marketing to you, but what what do you hate, and 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 what uh, and then what do you like? Okay, so um, here's a funny one, um, but I think the word "our" is evil. The word "our" 
like our white paper, our webinar, mm. our Twitter chat, like come join our Twitter chat, come read our white paper. I'm like, what the heck? So what I would say is, um, is one thing I really hate um, is the word our, because it's a guarantee that the message or the content or the thinking is not about what the customer's problem that you're solving or the pain that you're, that you're helping them you know, overcome. It's about what we're doing and why we're good or what, you know, and, and so, um, so, uh, you know, what, what I would say is sometimes I'll read blogs or I'll read something and I'll just, um, highlight the word R and my comment will be evil. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is another marketing stir first. I, uh, I haven't heard that. That's awesome. I always like to put that in like, you know, uh, make it about us or R. I'm like, no, no, it's, this is what I want. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I love it. Well, it, I just think that, you know, marketers who think about the, the customer and their journey and their experience um, and can empathize and, and, and put themselves in the shoes and then answer how we're going to help solve that pain point, but that, that's good marketing, right? Like you have to start there. Um, you have to be really clear on what opportunity your, pro- your, your product is fulfilling, right? And so I think the word R is an indicator you might not have it right. I, I like that. Now, what what are messages is uh, is just maybe not quite the opposite of that, but what what really you know gets you like what marketing really is like? Oh, okay, they're, they're solving a problem. What is it that you really like uh, when it's good marketing? Well, you know, believe it or not, I'm one of those people that actually fill in the form for the ebook. <laughs> so, so you're the one. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. We get several of them. Yeah. It's actually me. Um, I actually respond to SDRs um, when they send me smart content and say, hey, I'd like to learn more or, hey, talk to this person on my team. I want to learn more because I love tools or um, learning about things that are actually going to solve a problem or that might help me take a leapfrog um, to automate something that should have been automated. I love learning about that. I think I'm I think I'm an information junkie, um, and and I know I am because I right the first thing I do in the morning is get up really early and and you know just catch up on the world and catch up on, you know LinkedIn and Twitter, which is just crazy that I do that. But um, but I am the person that fills out the form because I do want to read the white paper or I want to read the ebook on the ten best practices or et cetera. So, um, and so I I think you know for me I love content marketing. Um, smart content marketing is great. Um, I I love all kinds of marketing automation, but what really gets me like is good content marketing. Yeah, no, I I agree, and you know it's and I could vouch for the information part about you because I remember you and I we were just kind of talking and we we talked a little bit about what kind of Starista did, and you were like, oh, that's interesting. I would like to learn more, and and uh, you were interested in that, and I was like, oh, oh, that's it wasn't the goal, Wendy, but sure, here. <laughs> uh, so I I could vouch for that uh, on it. So thank you, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm the type of person who does that too. If if I'm gonna spend time. To read a, uh, an ebook, it has to be really relevant to my job and my industry and how I'm going to be able to be a better person at my job. Uh, so I will. And I put the right email in and I put all the other stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Good, good marketing, really, if they know who I am. Um, I, and I also agree with like one of the things that I like with marketing uh, is especially my role being in B2B. A lot of people think it's company to company, bah, 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 bah. No, it's it's also people that we're talking to. 
person to person, uh, human to human. Yeah. Yes. And it's, you know, it, it's like, why does that always have to just happen in, you know, B2C marketing? It's like, it could happen in B2B as well, right? It, it's it's a relationship. So that's kind of the way that I, uh, you know, go about it as well. Um, let's stay more on this, this kind of fun personal side here for a little bit. You know, what TV shows are you watching? What are some books that you enjoy that, uh, whether it's business related or work re- or, or personal related that you can share with people that uh, you really liked recently? Let's see, TV shows. Um, oh gosh. Um, if I said like I'm watching a true crime documentary, like, is that like just weird? I'm watching- oh, it's not weird. I'd be worried uh, if I was in your family, cause you'd probably be able to do something to me and cover it up. But other than that, <laughs> I'm watching the one about the golden state killer. Um, you know, I, oh, I yeah, yeah. Northern California for a lot of years. And my husband is from the neighborhood where that um, was happening. And so, you know, the, uh, it's just interesting in Sacramento. So I'm just interested in that. So we're watching, we're actually watching that. My daughter, my husband and I like weird family time together, but the, it's, it's fascinating and, and amazing storytelling. So it's called, uh, um, I'll be gone in the dark, I think. Um, and it's about the golden state killer. I'm watching that. Um, again, weird, nothing related to marketing, but a very good documentary on HBO. Yeah. And then That's as far okay. as, yeah. And then as far as books, I will say that I have just, um, picked up one, uh, that my daughter, uh, recommended it's called selling above the line. And it's about how to tell value based storytelling to executives, um, and to catch their attention. So I'm, I'm, uh, interested in that one. Um, but the one that I, I have read recently, um, uh, that I, um, oh shoot, I'm going to blank on the title of it. Um, it was about, um, how to have, you know, constructive conversations with, um, people who work for you to help their coaching and their performance. And I'll, I'll think of the name of it and give me a second. Um, but it was so good and trying to use those techniques to, you know, really bolster the performance of my rock stars and then, you know, help everybody else just, you know, remove the barriers to being, you know, to being rock stars. Speaking of team, anything interesting you guys have been doing to keep the uh, morale up, uh, assuming you're still all working virtually? We are working virtually, um, you know, across Expedia group. There's amazing things like uh, last month we had, um, the author of the book about anti-racism, come give a talk. That was phenomenal. And last week we had the coach psychologist from the Seahawks come give a talk on motivation. Um, so those are those are great kind of cross-company things. But even at the team level, um, tomorrow morning, for example, I'm hosting a coffee chat with our team. It's it's Women's Independence Day tomorrow, which is uh, when the um, 19th Amendment actually went into effect. Um, celebration of that, and so it's like Independence Independence or Equality Day for women around the world. So we're we're just doing a coffee chat where we're going to do quizzes on like women's equality issues just for fun over coffee for half an hour just to remind ourselves of you know some of those important inclusion and diversity topics the guest speaker seems like a fun idea i haven't uh, tried that one before you know um i happen to be a big fan of salesforce and they make all their guest speakers um open to the public and they bring in amazing guest speakers all the time so you can go on there uh, trailhead uh, site. And again, there's the third plug. Um, uh, mm-hmm. for it. You can go on their trailhead site and they've got all kinds of great speakers too if you want to just get motivated. Kind of like TED Talks by Salesforce. Nice. 
So it sounds like we need to send you a lot of links where you put in your email address and also go to Salesforce. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, the SDRs are really going to be reaching out to me after they hear this. <laughs> no, we'll actually slack you since we are okay, very believers good. in it. We're it all together. Yeah. Well, well done, AJ. Yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting a desk together, though. I have to do enough. Yeah. Right <laughs> so... Wendy, as you know, as one of the final questions here, you know, a lot of young people who are listening to this podcast, starting out in their career, uh, you know, I would love to get from you some advice that early on has helped you, or something that you would share with that audience as they're starting their careers. I answer that differently right now because of COVID, and I think the the state of the employment market, or even people just being afraid to, to leave or lose their job, which is this, you know, early in your career, the best thing you can do is, is bring your A game to whatever job you, you get, if, even if it's not your ideal job, um, learn and grow from that experience um, and, um, and make the most of every job experience you have. Um, that means like ask questions, have a growth mindset, you know, test and learn, experiment, um, do a volunteer side project in an area you're interested in so you can expand and grow your skill set. There's very few wrong things you can do earlier in your career as you're discovering who you are and what parts of marketing or any job make you happy. Um, I thought I was going to be a PR person, you know, and uh, look where I am now. I, like, I, I love PR, but I really thought that's where I was going to spend my time. I actually wanted to be White House communications director, right? Weird <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. aspirations when I was 22, and I look back now, and I'm glad that I tried things out and really discovered a true path. So, you know, experiment, test, learn, fail. It's okay to fail, and uh, and you know, and just bring your A game and try hard. I love that. Wendy, this has been awesome. I felt like I've known you for years. Thank you for you know, joining us on the Marketing Stir. We really do appreciate it here. Uh, again, that is Wendy White, the Chief Marketing Officer, Egencia. Of course, Egencia is the corporate travel management arm of Expedia as you're starting to travel. Again, uh, really bolstering that up for 2021. Uh, you know, check out Egencia. Ladies and gentlemen, Wendy White, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you so much. You. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.